Well, go ahead and uh, find your place, get in uh, your comfortable spot, grab your Bible. Um, I really just felt the Lord impressing on me um, as we were preparing for this week. I just have a, a short message I want to share. Um, if you are with us for the uh, birthday celebration, um, we talked about the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. We talked about the Roaring Twenties. And I want to dip back into that theme this morning. Um, I hope my staff is going to be shouting and amening and hollering me down this morning. <laughs> um, we'll see if we'll, I'll, I'll be able to have eye contact with each and every single one of you. So um, I want you to open up to Proverbs 28 this morning. Um, and this is the scripture we're going to open up with. It says, The wicked flee when no one pursues but the righteous are as bold as a lion. How is that for a verse to stand on as we open up this morning? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word. Your word is a light to us. God, it gives us direction. It speaks to our, our very spirit, man. And so, God, I just pray, Lord, we want to hear from you this morning. And as a result of hearing from you, God, we want to step up from our living room or wherever we're at different. God, meet us. Speak to us. A rhema word this morning. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, so when I say roar, we're not talking about decibels. We're not talking about getting louder. Although when a lion roars, it is intense, right? A lion's roar, they say, is 114 decibels. The maximum re recommended level for your headphones is about 105. So 114 uh, is pretty great. It's louder than any concert venue is legally allowed to run. But God's not inviting us to just be louder. He's saying, I want you to be bold. I want you to be bold. It is a roar of boldness that is anchored in faith. And that's what God is looking for right now, a church and a people that are bold. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and their, their boldness is anchored in faith. And we see this right in this proverb. The righteous are as bold as lions. So it connects the idea of the lion and boldness. But here's how uh, it does so in an even more powerful way. The Hebrew word for bold in this verse is tied to the word confidence. I love that. It's tied to the word confidence. In other words, to be bold is to be confident. And to have confidence in something makes you bold. And that's what God is looking for. And so that's the question he's going to be asking of you and me today, this morning. What is your confidence in? Because that's going to determine the root of your roar. And we see this play out in Jeremiah, the prophet's life. The first four verses of Jeremiah 17, which is where we're going to be a little bit this morning, basically describes the condition of the people. And it says their sin is written or engraved on their heart. And sin is described in these first few verses as, you know, even your kids, the generations to come, uh, they know about their altars and their ashram poles, it talks about. And what Jeremiah is saying is that even when God's people came into the promised land and had seen miracles and signs and wonders, and they had witnessed the supernatural power of the living God, Yahweh, Jehovah God, they wanted to make sure that they covered all the bases 
And so they erected idols on the high places of worship to the god Baal and to the god Asherah. And the Asherah pole was just an idol to the God of all the nations around them. And so Jeremiah is opening up and he's speaking for the Lord and he says, hey, your sin is written on your heart. You've covered all your bases. And they, they're saying, oh, we love God, but we also want to make sure that we've got all this covered too. And so then he opens this up and let's see what it looks like beginning in verses uh, five. Uh, five through six, we're going to read. And he says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. In other words, he says to the man or to the woman, he says, my roar is going to be based in confidence, but the confidence is going to be in me. It's going to be in my strength. It's going to be in my ability. It's going to be in my resources, my wisdom, my life, my experiences, what I have done and what I can do. And that's what I'm going to put my confidence in. And therefore, when things are looking up, I'm going to be bold. But when it's down, I'm not going to be so bold. And when I get a promotion, okay, I'll be bold. But maybe when things aren't going so well, I'll be a little less bold. I'll, I'll be bold when I'm healthy, but I'll be less bold if I get a diagnosis that I didn't see coming. My confidence is in my human flesh and in my strength and my ability. And he draws a picture of that person. And he says, ultimately, you're going to look like a bush in the wasteland. Now, that's not a picture that anybody has. I doubt anybody has a print or a painting or something crocheted into a frame of your house that is a bush in a wasteland. Nobody received that greeting card, you know, for the new year. You know, happy new year, praying for your big dreams to come true. Go for it. Believe in God. You can do anything. It's going to be a banner you for you. You'll be like a bush in a wasteland. You know, no, the picture that Jeremiah is painting here is for the one that doesn't put his trust in. They don't have confidence. It's just in themselves. And a lot of people in the world are bold, but their roar and their boldness is based on something that is not firm. And so same thing happened in the 1920s. We talked about it at our birthday weekend here at Destiny. Um, but one thing we didn't really drill down in was the credit boom of the 1920s. And before the 1920s, 100 years ago, the credit mindset didn't exist in America. I mean, there could have been credit like, you know, hey, let's, let's do a handshake deal. I'll give you 100 bushels of corn and loan me your plow type of thing. But that was about it. There was even a mindset that said, you know, I want to earn my way. I want to save my money. I want to pay my way and I don't want to be in debt. But that started changing in 1919 with GMAC, the General Motors Corporation began to give credit and the installment plan was offered for people to buy automobiles. And the automobile was revolutionizing, of course, life. Most people couldn't afford one, even though it was only a hundred, you know, a couple hundred uh, bucks, even less to get a Model T Ford. But GMAC came along and they said, just pay a little, little bit a month and uh, a bit of interest tacked on and you can drive a car today. <laughs> and GMAC changed the mindset and erased the stigma of credit and debt in America. And in five years time, there was this massive proliferation of credit organizations and you could buy anything you wanted on the installment plan. And because automobile debt had changed that mindset, people will not buy 
their radio, they're buying their refrigerator, they're buying their washing machine on the installment plan, and it was a false sense of confidence. It was like, hey, look at our new refrigerator. Um, now, we don't actually own the refrigerator. General Electric owns the refrigerator. We're just paying them eight bucks a month with interest tacked on. Um, you know, but it's just like the car that's parked out in front of the house, and you know, just like you know, the, the, the radio and the washing machine, and it created this culture of the Roaring Twenties. But the Roaring Twenties were based in confidence in something that wasn't real. And all of this translates into what happened in the mid-20s, a stock market boom like no one had ever seen before. The market was just going up and up and up and up. And you say, well, I want to get in on it while the getting is good, but I don't have $500. So someone would come along and they would say, well, I'll loan you the $500 invested in the stock. The market will go up. And when the market goes up and triples, you'll sell. You can pay me back the 500 with a little premium of interest on the loan and keep the rest. And people were so eager to get into this booming stock market that they were buying stocks on margin. Meaning, I can't afford it, but I don't want to miss this. In October 29, 1929, the bubble burst and the market crashed. The banks went under and everybody came knocking on the door. We're going to need to get our washing machine back. We're going to need to get our car back. We're going to need to get our radio back. And I need my $500 back today. And the whole nation just kind of sunk. And the 30s, the Great Depression, was characterized by the Dust Bowl. Remember what Jeremiah said? Those who trust in man, who depend on their flesh for their strength, who turn away from the Lord, will be like a bush in the wasteland, and he will not see prosperity. Isn't it amazing how possible, how it's possible that we can roar in the world, but that roar is just confidence in something less than who Jesus is, something that's, uh, you know, or we can, it, it's, it's what Jesus called sinking sand. He tells the story that, you know, the, the, the man who hears my words, but it didn't put him in the practice, and he builds this house, but when the winds came in, the rain came in, the whole house collapsed in a moment. But then he says, there's another way, and there's there's another boldness, and there's another roar. There's another kind of confidence. And he describes that man in the next verse. And look what it says in verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And catch this. What does it say? Whose trust is in the Lord. Other translations there say confidence. Whose confidence is in the Lord. What, what does confidence mean again? It means boldness. He blesses a man who says, I'm going to dig my foundation on the word of God and the person of God and the character of God. And I'm going to draw my confidence from who God is. Therefore, I'm going to have a boldness based on who God is. And so here's the result of this man's life. If we keep reading in scripture, it says, he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Don't you want that life? Don't you want that? May, may our news feeds right now and our social media feeds are so full right now of fear, of coronavirus, of COVID-19, of cultural impact, of what am I going to do when the resources run out, um, of toilet paper, Right? It can, it can all come together to kind of create this lack of confidence in us, which results in a lack of boldness, which results in the lack of a roar. But what if we trust God? 
and believe God's promises. And when we read the headlines and we hear the daily updates, you know, I hope this virus goes away and I really hope the, the economy doesn't crash and burn. But either way, I am confident because my roots go down into a stream whose river is God. And I know that no matter what season comes that I'm going to have leaves on my tree because my confidence and my trust are all rooted in the great I am. It's called margin. You can define it either way. The margin that says we didn't have enough to get the washing machine. And so, you know, but they said if we paid on installments that we could get it right now. That margin isn't very secure. And then our confidence can become shaky. Or the other way to find margin, God's way, is to save some of your excess in case anybody else has some need and give to God first and trust him to multiply the rest. Do it God's way and trust in God's character and let your finances be guided by God's plan. You know what that does? It creates margin. And God wants that life for you because that allows you to roar in season and out of season because your confidence is in him. And so it works the other way too. Deanna, as you know, is a steady in my life. And, and many years ago, when I was still traveling around and doing concerts and uh, competing in Battle of the Bands competitions, one year we got to the finals of the Lifelight Christian Music Festival competition, and, and we had a, a regional thing um, out here. And, and in fact, we had won uh, several regional uh, competitions out a couple different years. And I, t and I took a big band um, out to Sioux Falls for the, the competition, the final competition, which was at the festival. And some of you who are watching today were probably in that band. Um, uh, you played on that team. We were, we were rehearsing at a friend's house that morning. Um, the, I remember Mitch Bentliff was playing the, the drums on the pillow as we were rehearsing uh, the day of the competition. And I remember saying to everybody as we were in that room, the big day, you know, I'm so thankful for you guys coming out to do this with me. I don't know if we can pull this off or not, but I'm, I'm just thankful that you are willing. I'll be happy to walk away with second place. And I, I said that that morning, and, and Deanna... Now, now, I can actually, now I can actually comment in the middle of your message. <laughs> and Deanna said, what? Why are you saying right. you're okay with second? Right, right. It's exactly what she said. Deanna could hear it in my voice. I was not confident, in, in, really, in anything about this whole thing. And Deanna, because what we were doing is we were watching these amazing bands perform, um, you know, at the festival. And I had kind of lost, I was looking at myself and, uh, you know, and said, we're not going to be able to do this. So Deanna took me aside and called me out on that. And we had been watching other bands playing and I lacked the ability to think that we could win. And therefore, when we performed, I was everything but bold. And there was no roar in that performance. And so the question today, anybody know what place I went home with? That second. second. Two years in a row, second place. And so the question today is, what is your confidence in? What is your confidence in? Is it in you and, and the strength of your flesh? Is it in your ability? Is it in what you have? Or is your confidence today for real? Is it rooted in and drawing nourishment from, from who God is? And because that's how it happens. How, how, do we get con how do we get the confidence of Daniel to go into the lion's den and say, hey, I don't know what's going to happen down here, but I'm going to worship my God? How do, how do we get the confidence of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who say, we're not bowing down to that idol, our God can save us. But guess what? Even if he doesn't, he's so much greater than that idol, so we're not going to bow down. You know, I believe that our, there are two things that are in play here. And the first one starts with revelation. 
It starts with revelation. I'm talking about a supernatural, eye-opening comprehension and understanding of who God is and what he is doing in the world and what he's doing in your life. Revelation of how great God is. Not, you know, I came to church and I know a few books of the Bible and a few of the Jesus stories and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I'm talking about a revelation and the understanding of who God is. This is how our confidence builds. And this is what it says in this text. This person is going to be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when circumstances change. Psalm 1 tells us that that tree is planted in the word of God, which is the person of God, which is the character of God. And he is faithful and he does not change. I'm planning my life in who he is. So the psalmist says it this way, Psalm 24, 7, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some of, some of us have counted up, you know, how many chariots they have. Others have counted up, you know, the number of horses. That's what us men are great at, you know, counting up all of our accounts, how much we have in those accounts, and then taking confidence and boldness based on those things. But the psalmist says, how, hey, you can have all of those things, but we're not trusting in the number of chariots that we've got or how many horses we've got. We're trusting in the name of the Lord our God. Now, that's a big statement. That is a big statement. We just read over that and we just say the name of our God because what is the name of the Lord our God? If I said take out a pen and quickly write down the names of God that are giving you confidence right now in your life, how long would your list be? And how quickly could you make it? If your roots are in the word of God, then who God is is becoming clearer and clearer to you. And that's why it's so important to get in the word. And when you say, oh, I'm not counting on chariots or horses, but I'm trusting in the name of the Lord our God. Oh, let me tell you what his name is. Check it out. I'll just give you a few. I mean, I could list a whole whole month, a whole long list that would go on forever and ever, but I'm just going to start with this. His name is Jehovah Jireh. God provides. Jehovah Rapha is his name, which means God heals. His name is El Shaddai, God Almighty. His name is Ancient of Days. His name is I Am. His name is Defender, Deliverer, Savior, Sin Bearer. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. His name is Prince of Peace. King of all kings, sustainer of life, life giver. He is our breath. He is a guilt remover. He is justifier. He is righteous, righteous Lord. He is a friend. He is a perfect father, the lamb who was slain. Grace, resurrection and the life. He is the beginning. He is the first and the last. He is the architect. He is the creator. He is the designer, the builder, the foundation, the debt canceler, the star breather, the way maker. Come on, somebody. The miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light of the world and the truth. He's the Holy Spirit, the bright morning star helper. God, uh, the scripture says the word of God. He is the head of the church. He's faithful. He's consistent. He is unchanging. He is good. He is worthy. He is I am that I am. The redeemer, the restorer, the victor, the champion, the death defeater. Jesus is his name. That is who he is. And that's just a short list. Come on. 
He has a name that is above every other name, and I can run into it. The Proverbs writer says about his name in Proverbs 18.10, we sang it this morning. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And look, the righteous man runs into it, and he is safe. He is safe. I'm not just running into some concept of a creator. I'm running into just. I'm running into designer. I'm running into the architect. I'm running into faithful and true. I'm running into healer. I'm running into God, my provider. I'm running into miracle worker. I'm running into Jehovah Jireh, and I'm running into El Shaddai. That's where I'm running. And as a balance to that, the next verse is pretty telling. Right back to the Roaring Twenties, a rich man's wealth is in his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. They're roaring about their stuff, not thinking about how that stuff can fade away. The the money can run out and fade away. And when it does, guess what? Your bank will be empty. But more than that, relationships can change. People can walk out the door. Circumstances that you don't see coming and you've not prepared for, they arrive. And when they arrive, you're going to want to know that you spent the 20s putting roots down by the stream, the living waters of the Almighty God. So yes, it's all about revelation of who God is, but it's also about memory. It's about remembering his faithfulness. That's where confidence comes from. If you're like, you know, I'm new to faith, I've messed up my life, and I don't really have a great miracle story. I hear people talking about miracle stories. I really don't have the, you know, God did this, and God did that, and God did the other. Listen. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, every story in scripture is your story. And so Daniel went in the lion's den, you went in the lion's den. He's your brother. You guys share the same heavenly father. So when he went in, you tell the story like you lived it. And the thing is, you've probably got something in your story too. The problem is the enemy has given us all spiritual amnesia. 28 days after a miracle, we're sitting around and we're talking with a friend going, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And God's like, run into my name. It is a strong tower. Don't trust in horses and chariots. Trust in the name of the Lord. Then wake up from your spiritual amnesia and remember that it was just a few weeks ago that I brought you out through the storm. And go, well, yes, I'm going to be bold and yes, I'm going to roar. Why are you going to do that? Because I'm confident. Because I'm confident in who you are. I I think I've shared this story, but I I want to close with this. my, uh, a team that I was with, with the ECHO uh, interns in our district, uh, went to Honduras with uh, Tiffany Myers, who's a good friend of ours. And um, I was down there, and um, I call Tiffany the, the Honduran gangster. She's just uh, fearless and bold in her faith in Jesus. And um, we were invited, our ministry team was invited to go into the neighborhood that was kind of ran and operated by the drug cartel in the largest city in Honduras. Now, Honduras, if it's not on your radar, if it's not on your map, is the highest violent crime country in the world <laughs> and, and um, highest rate of, of um, you know, murders. And, 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 you know, so, you know, all of that's kind of in the back of your mind. Of course, when you're in the country, you're doing your best to be safe. And of course, we're protecting those that were with us, walking in boldness and in faith, but also with wisdom. And so while we were there, Tiffany tells us we're, we've been invited. The, the, the drug cartel, the ones that are leading the widest distribution of drugs in the largest city in Honduras, 
we've been doing these um, children's outreaches in the playground, and it's affected their children. They've come to Jesus, and they're taking it back to mom and dad, and they wanted to invite us into their neighborhood uh, to do this little team of, of 10 of us, our, our Echo students uh, from down there in Denver at North Rock Church where we're at, um, myself, Tiffany, and, and some of those guys, and we went in there, and I tell you, it was the most movie thing I'd ever seen before. We went through about three different levels of security. They had vans that were pulled up to each other, and they backed away from each other as we went through with big guys whose arms are bigger than my head that were standing there like this as we walked through. And we went through about three levels like that to get to this little um, alleyway that was in between all of these houses. And we get to this alleyway and go through the last level of security of these guys that, you know, are just so much bigger than me. And we walk through, and in this alley between all these residential houses, they have set up rows of chairs, just like you would think of a, of a church, and a keyboard up front and a sound system. And before I even could kind of get my bearings, I, we, were, we were in the buddy system, so we, I was responsible for somebody that was with me. That, that young adult who was with me had broken off, and I watched all of our students, their young adults, young 20s, go and start dancing in worship in the middle of the street in this cartel neighborhood. And immediately for me, the, 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 the tears just started pouring. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, I, I wonder, you know, I, I wonder what these guys are thinking. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about their regular life and, and how they operate and how they, you know, how many people have, has that guy killed, you know. And, um, and I'm thinking to myself, I, I see as, as our students began to just circle up, and it was a boldness that was like not, <laughs> I'll just say this. We, we had a student that was staying with us, uh, that we were their host family at the time. And when I watched him do that, it just blew me away because he's like the most um, introverted kind of to himself, like not dancing in the streets kind of guy. <laughs> and they went and they were just dancing. I mean, in front of everybody. And they started doing this. And I watched, I had my, my camera out, so I've, I've got footage. I won't be able to share it this morning, but I have footage of just kind of worship breaking out in that little block. And we saw our students and, and our leaders on that, that little ministry team go into the largest drug cartel in Honduras and pray and minister over some that were some some young ladies that were caught in sex trafficking, some um, some 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 ladies that just, you know, were in, in tears, just streaming down, mothers and fathers who had seen their kids come to Jesus, you know, through the ministry that they had on the playground. And we walked right into the middle of this, and I'm thinking to myself, who are we? <laughs> who are we to come in here and do this? And I watched them dance with just such a boldness. It was something that just kind of took me... Um, outside of myself to just watch it because when I saw those kids, it was like they were standing and dancing and, and praising uh, in a way that was a strength that wasn't their own. And we watched it transform that little neighborhood for that, that one night. And of course, we've still got connection with Tiffany and everything that's happened there. But we watched miracles take place that night. And I'll tell you why we were bold. 
I'll tell you why we were bold. I'll tell you why we stepped out in faith. I'll tell you why we said that God's going to do it. I'll tell you why we kept believing that he was going to come through. Because we have a history with a God who is faithful and his miraculous provision of Almighty God. He has never failed us yet. And he's going to keep on proving himself. And he'll do it again and again and again and again and again and again in our lives. And so we could walk into the middle of this <laughs> murderous town in the boldness and confidence of who Jesus Christ is, and you can have that too. It's an installment plan, and it's not you paying a little bit every month you know, to get something that you can't afford. It's God depositing something in you that you could never give yourself into the story so that when you need it, you can cash it in. All the belief and all the confidence that you need to be bold in any moment in any moment, the confidence to roar that God is greater, that God is greater. And let me tell you something right now, our neighborhoods need to hear you saying that God is greater. Mm -hmm. They need to hear you say it and that he is going to pull through for me and for my house. They need believers who are walking in boldness and faith. That is the calling of the church in this time and this season. And I just believe that... um, you know, this is a right now season for the church, you know, that we cannot um, isolate ourselves because that would be the easy thing to do right now. We can't isolate ourselves in fear, but we've got to walk in faith. And I'll walk in wisdom. That doesn't mean that you're spreading a virus. That means we, we use the creativity of the creator of the mind that he's given us um, to reach out and minister in ways that we've never even thought of before. The church is going to rise up. I really, really believe it. I really believe we are living in a revival time right now. And there's going to be songs. How many of you have seen stream after stream after stream of worship this week? Revival is accompanied many, many times with the rising of the psalmist and the singing the songs of revival. And so we're going to see those songs being sung um, everywhere that we go. And so... Um, As we close this morning, um, I just want to thank you again for joining with us. Um, It's it's a big deal that you're here with us this morning, and um, we don't take it for granted. Uh, This is is a holy moment right now. And so, Father God, as, as, as we just close this morning, I just pray, first of all, that you would continue to speak to your church. God, open up our spiritual eyes and ears so that we can hear and see and receive from you. And we can stand in boldness as we run to this, your name, which is a strong tower. God, there is, um, your name is a firm foundation that we can stand on. And so we don't walk shakily. We walk with a boldness. We walk with a roar that is louder than, than um, you know, anything that's inside of us, God. And we can walk right in the, the midst of the cartel. We can walk right in the midst of this virus in this season and uh, do everything that you've called us to do. Our purpose, Lord, is to love you and to love those that are around us. That's, that's, that's where it comes down to. That's what it boils down to, to love you first with all that we are and then to love our neighbors. So God, let's continue. Help us, equip us, give us the boldness to continue being the church. God, help us to rise up um, wherever we are this morning. God, I just pray 
for our families as, as they're sitting in the living rooms and, and the uh, parents are wondering what to do with kids. And Lord, give us a boldness to, to just be a mom and dad who would rise up our children to, to walk not in a fear of the world, but a fear of who you are. God, that their boldness would be rooted in your character and who you are. Now, if you're here this morning and you have not yet um, prayed a prayer to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, we want to lead you in that prayer this morning. And so um, if that's you, <laughs> I, I can say with nobody looking around, but I don't know where you're at. Or <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to see you if you raise your hand. But this is a personal decision anyways. This is a very personal thing. Whether this is the first time you've said yes to Jesus or if you're resurrendering your life, um, now is the perfect time. This is a right now moment. So um, if that's you, I would just encourage you, pray this prayer with me. Father God, I just, I just speak over um, everybody that watches this this morning. And, and Holy Spirit, we know that you're drawing them in. Lord, if, if there's those that don't need you, God, lead them to pray this this morning and find others that, that, could, that could encourage and equip them, Lord, to stand boldly in who you are. So let's pray this. Father God, I give you my heart, all of who I am. I surrender. Thank you for the cross, your body and blood, broken and poured out for me in your mighty name. Amen.